All the world was right. Are we recording? Yes. Oh, why? Because I'm a bad girlfriend. Hi, everyone. This is Hillary. You better cut that out. I'm Griffin. <laughs> and this is Days of Wine and Choses. We need, like, a dramatic radio sting. No, but that's something we should look for Sorry. when we actually start recording. Sorry, just blew that. out everyone's speakers. Whoops. Playing that didn't help either. That didn't help. No. This is the outtakes reel. Hello. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Hi everyone. This is Hillary. Hi everyone. This is Griffin. This is Days of Wine and Choses. We are trying to pretend to be very normal because this is our first episode. Well, second, really. Yeah, but come on. Come on. We all know that the pilot is just, like... It's like when you're writing a five-paragraph essay, you have to write all the body paragraphs first, and then you go back to write the intro about what everything else is about. Oh, no. I would always write my intro. I would, like, labor over my thesis statement. I forgot who I was talking to. You're such a good student. You were a good noodle. (laughs) So, um... We've decided that the format for this show is going to be, uh, like, we're going to do every week. Every week. Every week. And we're going to discuss one show per month. And Which is not going to be enough time. No. But we're going to make it work. We're going to try. We're going to try to make the best of our time. We're going to try to break it down into what we like, what we don't like. What we didn't like, like, and what we would fix. Right. Because... If there's anything Griffin and I, like, make our, would, like, love to make a living out of, it's just... Cleaning up other people's messes. But, like, in the entertainment industry. Just, yeah. Not like What's it called? Is it called Monday quarterbacking? When, like, something's done and then you go back and be like, well, you could have done this Yeah, what's the TV equivalent of armchair psychology? Yeah. So... Our first show, we decided, <sighs> it's going to Brace be... Brace yourselves. Uh, it's it's this little show. You probably haven't heard of it. It's called... It's um, super indie. Supernatural. I know. I hadn't heard of it until we started this podcast, but um, apparently... Produced like... by the legitimately like genius Eric Kripke. Like, he uh, put... I've <laughs> seen his other work. I mean... As showrunners go, I mean, we're looking at people like Ryan Murphy and, like, Eric Kripke. Okay, first five seasons. If we're limiting okay, it the to first the first five seasons, five seasons. The first five seasons that he meant to make right. are good. Right, and he left after right. season five because that's all he wanted to do. Let's not pin, <laughs> let's not pin the clusterfuck. So, in case it's not obvious, our first episode, The Things We Liked, is probably just going to be seasons one through five. And then our second episode, Things We Didn't Care For, is going to be six onward. Yeah, yeah. Because, um, for those of you who aren't familiar with the show Supernatural, this was, um, it's a show about, um, I think it's almost exclusively for the first five seasons, American lore. Right. Urban legends and... Um, these two guys, just brief overview, uh, the Winchester brothers, Sam and Dean, are driving across America in a, 
Chevy, a Chevy Impala. Impala. 60, 67 Chevy Impala. Black. Yeah, all cars look the same Beautiful, to me. beautiful car. Um, baby. And they're going to uh, different locations to... They're, they're called hunters, and they kind of... Uh, just like go places where super supernatural things are happening. Ooh, Ghost- is that where the title comes from? Uh, maybe. Wow. Maybe. Mind so blown. you've got things like Wendigos and vampires. Vampires. Bloody Mary shows up. I think they hunt the Jersey Devil at yeah. one point. So there's, I think season one is largely America specific. Uh, and it was sort of a monster of the day monsters. format where they would go out, they would have a mission per episode, and they would take care of that mission and the episode would be over. They didn't really get a myth arc until the second season. Right. The first season was just kind of like their dad has gone missing, they have to find him, but along the way, uh, there are evil man eating beasties mm-hmm. that need to be unbeasted. Yeah. And like. Season one is just so well constructed, and I think it's just because I'm saying that now after the show has been going on what like eleven seasons, like it, too long, it won't die. Um, but the first couple seasons, at least, we got good character background, and we got you know interesting fun episodes where i mean you you really just kind of immersed yourself in the world of the winchester brothers and it was like dark and kind of fucked up at times super fucked up at times yeah but because you can tell that these are two characters one of the things that i think supernatural did really well overall and not necessarily in the specific is that it handled male emotions Mm-hmm. in a way I thought was really good because yeah. you can tell that the two main characters despite being super stoic about everything oftentimes obnoxiously so are both clearly traumatized by their shared past their father is not a good dude and the show goes way out of its way to point out that like he's not he's a bad hombre yeah he's <laughs> a bad hombre <laughs> and one of the brothers Dean his leading characteristic in the first season is that he acknowledges that the dad might not have always been the nicest but mm. he worships the ground that he walks on oh my God. whereas the other brother sam is the one that got out of the emotionally abusive situation and made a life for himself he went to stanford you he guys. got a law degree God and now damn. he's getting dragged back in and he's the one who's looking at did he finish situation. his law degree i thought his girlfriend I don't remember. I'm ten seasons past this. um, Yeah, so spoilers for those of you who haven't watched, but if you haven't watched, like, kudos for living under a rock for the last ten years because, like, it has imbued itself in the cultural zeitgeist. And to all of our super Hulak fans out there, we are sorry. Please don't egg our houses. Okay, but speaking as a, I'm going to say lapsed super Hulakian... Honey. I'm gonna no. I'm a little lapsed. Let's be honest. Like it took me over a year to watch season four of Sherlock. There is a music video out there that I might have to link to. I will not watch any new episodes of of Supernatural. I won't do it. Which is a shame because the last season is a humdinger of a 
of a season. And I haven't seen, like, the last two or three seasons of Doctor Who. So, like, basically since... Basically, this is us establishing our credentials. I suck. I'm not a super Hulakian anymore. I used to be. I used to be really into it. I, like, I met Benedict Cumberbatch and was super disappointing. That'll be another month. We'll do Sherlock another month. Yeah, but let's let's kind of... Let's get back to Supernatural. And you can try to explain Doctor Who to me yeah. on yet another month. Jesus. Because I have tried repetitively God. to get into Doctor Who. What? Who did you start with? Like which <sighs> Eccleston. Oh, okay. Your lobes. Oh, see, I want to say that, like, F, like, if you're starting with, so, like, there was, like, a brief period, <clears throat> I think, in the 90s when Super Who watched, or, or, excuse me, Doctor Who just wasn't on i feel like they stopped it like maybe in the late 80s or something and then it just didn't come back on until the early 2000s when christopher eccleston took over and he was nine okay he was the ninth doctor so it goes earlobes pinstripes forehead and now the thick of it guy yes got it Supernatural, folks. Yeah, but anyway, <laughs> going back to Supernatural. So the tale of two seven-foot-tall underwear models taking on supernatural oh no. evil. But here's the thing, though: is um, shit. What's his name? Jensen Ackles. He's actually like considerably shorter than Jared Padalecki. Yeah, he's like a normal human height, which is remarked upon in the show. Moose and squirrel. So their mutual boyfriend, Crowley. <laughs> this is later seasons. I think Crowley is introduced, like, before the end of season five, though. So you go from, like, a Monster of the Week setup sure. where every week you learn that, like, a new thing is real. So, like, Wendigos are real, it's not just cannibals. Angels are real. Vampires are real, it's not just, like, creeps. And then suddenly, out of nowhere, out of friggin' nowhere, like... Hell is real, and demons are real. It becomes super-duper Judeo-Christian. Right. But then, fairy. like, for a while, it's just hell and demons, and the demons are the ones who are creating monsters. And then, like, again, out of nowhere, angels are real, and this whole thing is being prompted by God, who is also real within the context of the supernatural yes, but, universe. but who is God? He's Carver Edlund. Oh, author. spoilers! <laughs> I is it? I won't watch the show. I <laughs> we need to put up like a big old spoiler warning at the beginning because we will be. Don't fucking listen to this. If casually you bandying up. about trade secrets. The only the whole reason time. I know about the more recent seasons, and I'm talking about the last two or three seasons of Supernatural, because I stopped watching, is because Griffin will see through a train wreck of a show to its bitter end. I have to know how it ends. And I have opinions about the final season of that show, which we will get to in the What I Would Fix episode. Yeah, Although I guess we, this is the What I Liked episode. This is well, the What I Liked episode, and I think we're, we're doing okay so far. Staying on track. But So yeah. what did we like? We liked... The initial interactions between the brothers. I like the world the building the that they bothered to do in the right. first couple seasons. Like, they actually... Because it sets a tone pretty quickly. Like, we're living in this world that is like the real world, except where noted. Where occasionally there will be sorority houses that are attacked by evil priest ghosts. 
or ghosts are a thing. Vampire truckers or thing. werewolves that like. Oh my god! Can we talk about the racist truck episode? I really liked that one. Oh yeah. Racist ghost truck. So there's a ghost truck that's like it's the ghost of a racist clansman. Yeah. Who, like, the truck that he haunts is still hunting down black people, mm-hmm. and it's kind of problematic. Tone deaf! And the reason fun. that our main characters care is not because people are getting killed, although that's part of it. It's because Dean's girlfriend of the week is herself black and herself being targeted by the truck. And I think it's, what is that? That's Bechtel's corollary, where you have two named characters of color in an episode that is not explicitly about race. And that was the episode where Supernatural failed. Because they had one named black female character in an episode about a monster that specifically targets and kills black people. It didn't even swing and miss. They were swinging in the wrong park. So I think I... I have seen every Supernatural episode, I want to say through season nine, mm. through the end of season nine. The last two seasons, I can't, I can't, I just can't, but. That's weird, because that way. I can't honestly think of a single episode of Supernatural, and I realize this is getting into things I didn't like about the show, but really this is just a neutral point. I can't think of any episode that passed the Bechdel test. Well, maybe that's something we should establish as a talking point going forward. Does the show pass the Bechdel test? Does the show pass the Bechdel's racial corollary? For those of you who do not know what the Bechdel test is... It is an intentionally low bar that that people keep tripping over. Right. So the Bechdel test is basically um, qualities of a TV show, any, any piece of media where... Two named female characters speak to each other. On screen. On screen about something or someone that is not a man. And this includes children. Right. This includes friends. It doesn't have to be a non-platonic male relationship. Right. As If you have two female characters with names and one assumes at least a shallow internal life. yeah talk about anything that is not male right you pass like if you talk about your career to another woman if you talk about you know a weird experience you had with a ghost as long as the ghost isn't a dude what if it's ambiguous what if it's not clear what gender the ghost is i feel like we'll have to call up Miss Doctor Professor A- Bechdel, is it Ashley Bechdel, Audrey, Audrey? Madame Bechdel, Mrs. Beck, Miss Beck, Miss Bechdel, her, and ask her. Could you clarify? Do androgynous ghosts count? If you're talking about a ghost with a non-specified gender, non-binary like ghost, I feel like that counts. I feel like that must count. But anyway, yeah. So, like like Griffin said, though, it's an intentionally low bar. And the fact that I honestly can't think of a single episode of this show, which has been on, need I remind you, for more than ten seasons. You need not. But you may. It's, uh, it's a little, a little scary. 
But here's the thing, is it is intentionally a show about male relationships. Right. Well, one particular male relationship. Right. But that relationship keeps changing. Because the other thing about Supernatural, and this is again bleeding into next episode, is that the brothers' motivations keep swapping back and forth from Mm -hmm. season to season. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But overall, one of the strengths of the show is that at no point are you sure of the team dynamic. No. You know that they will always stick up for each other. But one of the brothers is always ready to quit. And the other brother is always ready to blindly charge forward and follow the crusade because it's all they have. And or, spoilers, one of them is dead. But guess what, guys? They keep coming back. Is that is that something we like, though? I, well, okay, so I understand it from a production standpoint that you can't keep a show going if one of your protagonists dies. But here's the thing, is that it made sense in season one. Right. Because one of the, like, one of the plot mechanics is that once the angels arrive, they let us know that our main characters are somehow the only people that can act as hosts to the Archangel Michael and Lucifer, and everyone wants them to get possessed so they can fight out the final battle and just end the stupid world already. season one? That's season one. Like, that's the first five seasons is that myth arc. Oh, the first five seasons. Okay, yeah. But then after season five, when the show was supposed to end... That plot line goes away. It disappears. It's like it never happened. Beyond that, there is no reason for the main characters to keep being alive, except that it's a show about them. Also, Adam, still in hell. Oh, yeah. They have a third brother. (laughs) Again, this is something... My favorite thing about this show, Adam, still in hell. We just kind of So one episode, we introduce ghouls, which... In terms of the supernatural universe, eat dead people, which is fairly traditional, but then they assume the dead people's identity. So Sam and Dean meet a ghoul that has eaten someone who turns out to be their hitherto unknown half-brother Adam. So when we're introduced to this character, he's already dead, correct? Wait. Yes. Yes? Yes, because he's not really him. He's the ghoul masquerading as him. But then later in the season, when Dean refuses to become the Archangel Michael, because uh, the health package isn't great, (laughs) the angels dig up his dead half-brother and bring him back to life, as apparently they can do, and use him instead. Thereby invalidating all of the stakes... I don't care for this plot element, but I guess you do. I love Adam. I think he's great. I think I got so... By the time Adam was brought in, I realized that I was tired about the constantly in flux relationship dynamic of Sam and Dean. That I was Mm. like, yes, finally, we have a third brother who has feelings about shit. Well, not anymore, because that actor went on to star in award-winning feature... Well, award-adjacent (laughs) feature-length film 
The Host by Stephanie Meyer. No. Yes. No. He was the one who was in love with the girl who was possessed by an alien parasite when not, she was human. I did not read that book or see that movie. Oh my God. Can we talk about that in another episode? Yes, can we please? That can be our movie one of these episodes because that is, I think, my favorite Stephanie Meyer product for reasons that I do not believe Stephanie Meyer would appreciate. <laughs> it might be. The best movie that Diane Kruger has ever been in. Wait, Diane Kruger is in The Host? Yep. Helen of Troy is in The Host? Uh, I believe you'll find it's Bridget von Hammersmark. But yes, <laughs> the famed 1940s German actress is an alien in The Host. Oh my god, I love Diane Kruger. So In that, I think that she does her very best, but it's still I think her great. very best is National Treasure. Which is not a ringing endorsement of anyone's. Can I, can I confess something? I've never actually seen National Treasure. Coming up next week, folks, National Treasure. We I know. are watching that movie. It is a cultural zeitgeist, I am aware. I know that... You live in D.C. I know. How have you not seen National Treasure? Because it's a Nicolas Cage movie. It is a Nicolas Cage movie. And, and you don't like those. I saw Face Off on your request. Oh my god, I love Face Off. He I loves... Love Face Off guys, so much. ask Griffin about John Woo movies. Just... Uh, just... <laughs> just mention... <laughs> Tour director John Woo and watch Griffin just... I walk around everywhere with a crate of doves, just in case. <laughs> I liked Face Off because it was silly. It was so silly. I don't, I don't even know if that's what John Woo meant by it, but it's a silly fucking movie. We'll talk about it next time. Okay. Or a time after that. You we'll guys, come up with some kind of schedule yeah. at some point. I'm not talk, the organized one. We're going to talk TV. <laughs> we're going to talk movies. We're going to talk auteur directors. And we're going to talk wine subscription services. You're going to find out real quick that, like, I am the Dharma of this relationship. My Greg. She is the Greg. Oh, God. I don't want to be Greg. It's too late. Greg's you have been Greg for years. Greg's the boring one. Aww. I'm not boring. Wait. Wait, what if we do a Will and Grace scenario? I haven't seen Will and Grace. Oh my god! What? I haven't seen Will and Grace. What? I missed like a whole segment of 90s sitcoms. I've also never but seen But how Friends. did you learn about gay people? I didn't. <laughs> I went to elementary school in the aughts. Like... The late 90s and the aughts was called gay a whole bunch. Does that count? You got called gay a whole bunch. Yeah. Oh, baby. Half credit. <laughs> credit for trying. <laughs> Close, but no cigar. Mom turned the podcast off. <laughs> yeah. I love you, Mom. Please, please stop listening. Speaking of gay people, Supernatural, one that of the show, characters... Can we talk about how gay this show... Okay, that's one thing I do love about this show. Is I mean, okay, this is a double-edged sword, right? Right. Because... Because it's not really a, a... It's queer baiting. Right. But... They acknowledge the queer baiting, which is weirder to me. In a good way or a bad way? or just In one a... episode... Okay, so... 
we've covered spoilers already. We are under the giant spoilers inclusive If you're umbrella. listening at this point, you're acknowledging that either you've already watched all the way up to the current season or you don't give a shit. Right. So, so you are our people. But uh, one of the characters in the show is God masquerading as a novelist slash prophet. Pope novelist. Pope novelist. Uh, and he is introduced having written a diegetic in-universe book series based on the show so far. So there is a convention in the show of supernatural fans. And at one point they have Sam and Dean reading, air quotes, Wincest, un-air quotes, fanfiction, and reacting to it by saying, they know we're brothers, right? And then, like, from there, they play up all of the potentially queer readings of the relationships on the show without ever, let's say, consummating any of them or taking them anywhere. Well, I think the one semi-pseudo-queer relationship that they keep coming back to that isn't Wincest is the Dean-Castiel relationship. So Castiel is an angel of the Lord. He is the Archangel of Thursday. I looked that up. Of course you did. I didn't know that off the top of my head, but... He looks things up. I find it cute. He is possessing the body of a nebbish... I think he's a CPA or yeah, something. Yeah, I think I think you're right. But John he's something. played by Misha Collins, mm. and at one point he mentions, like, unprompted, that he and Dean have a profound bond. We have a more profound bond. But it's never brought up again. And then there's another character who is like a a wheeler-dealer demon from hell who makes contracts with people and is the king of contract-making demons. And he seems to be like... Hello, Crowley. Aggressively pan-romantic. He... But we never actually, like, see him in a relationship with anyone. He... I know, but I love... And there's a sequence late in the show where Sam discovers that because his blood is the most special of all the people's blood, if he injects a demon's human host with it, he can force the demon to feel remorse and become more human. Mm -hmm. And there's a long sequence of him giving... Crowley the Wheeler Dealer Demon blood injections yeah. in an incredibly intimate this. and aggressive... Are they in a church? Yeah. They're in like a chapel or something in the middle of Vancouver. <laughs> and it's ambiguous whether you're supposed to read this as like intimate or rapey or both but over the course of these treatments Crowley starts to redevelop love. Feelings. And, he has feelings. Yeah. So, there are some interesting... like, semi-gay bemusement and everything. Right. He's just... I love... Okay, so, we're talking about things we love about Supernatural. I fucking love Crowley. He was given... Okay, the writers, I don't think, gave a shit about him after... Probably two or three seasons after having introduced him. But I... He deserves so much better. I think we should start awarding like a breakout character medal and he would win mark shepherd's portrayal of crowley would win because he did exactly what they needed that character to do every step of the way bless him 
And while all of the other demons... So they were, they were kind of like... They were scary the first time they introduced them. Because they introduced them as like... These things that could possess your next door neighbor. And you wouldn't know that you're talking to a soulless abomination until like their eyes turn black. They have like opaque contact lenses that they slip in. So the Winchesters would be like dealing with people that they thought were humans and then they would reveal themselves to be demons out of nowhere. And they're super strong and super fast and telekinetic some of them, some of the time and some of them not some of the time. Hey, I have a question. What's your question? If they've got to be strong and they've got to be fast, are they also larger than life? Some of them, but not all of them. We have Dean and Sam. They're the heroes we deserve, but not the heroes we want. Oh my god. I'm sorry I interrupted. That's okay. But, so, like, once we started seeing a bunch of them, they got kind of villain inflated. Yeah. And it got to the point where Sam and Dean would be taking down, like, three or four of them at a pop. It gets to the point where when you see a demon, you're just like, oh, they're going to die in five seconds. Right. And what's weird is they keep, like... Flickering, I say weird when I mean interesting. These are all things that I like about the show because they're fascinating to me. We flicker back and forth between demons being like an army of nameless mooks and like a rich hierarchical society because you've got demons that live at crossroads and make deals with people for their immortal soul. We've got demons that are running around with spell books, uh praying on gullible people and making witch covens out of them. We've got demons. Crossroads demons. Right. I love crossroads. Crossroads demons. Meg. Book club demons. Can we talk Meg? I, I like didn't Meg. Care for Meg. You didn't like Meg? No. I liked her. I liked her the first couple times I saw her and then when they finally revealed her to be a bad guy, I realized that I had been taken for a ride. I had been sold a bill of goods. And I, I liked Meg. I did <laughs> Even after I found out what Meg was, like, I was like, all right, girl, you get yours. So, as part of the way the world works, there's like a hierarchy of demons in hell, at the top of which is Lucifer, who seems to have created the demons, but is not one himself. And they mention multiple times that the demons treat Lucifer as their god. Mark Pellegrino. Meanwhile, the first demon is Lilith. Right. Oh, the little girl Lilith. Right. Creepy little fucking... Who only possesses adorable children. It's really fucked up. Like, I would recommend watching... She's in the first five seasons. I would recommend watching the first five seasons of Supernatural if only to see this, like, fascinating Which demonic a, possession. There is some really interesting, and I'm sorry because this is where I divert from like what everyone else likes about the show. There is some fascinating biblical exegesis going on here because like if you take the Bible reading that Lilith was the first woman that God created, it's interesting that Lilith in Supernatural is always incarnating herself as a child looking to create the perfect family because she had it for like a hot second in the Garden of Eden before she got kicked out for wanting too freaky sex. But can you blame her, though? No. Uh, (laughs) But it's interesting that they took Lilith, a character who is traditionally, like, 
a succubus, a man-eater, a sexual being. And instead of wanting to destroy men, what she seems to want is a family. Yeah, it's really And not nice. like your standard, she's a woman, she wants to have children family. She wants to be the child in a perfect family. It's just that she's also goat butt crazy. And like... Did you say goat butt? I did say goat butt crazy. I'm goat ass. not sure how to censor myself for this. I don't know what our ESRB rating is going to be. We don't have an ESRB rating. Okay. She is bug fuck crazy. Bug fuck! And she like telekinetically Bat breaks shit. people's necks and it's super awesome. But... Little girl breaking people's necks. Fucking shit up. That's another thing about Man Supernatural that's really interesting, is our heroes are a bunch of dudes. It's a total sausage party. But, like, a lot of the more compelling villains are female. Because what do we got? We got Lilith, who is technically genderless, but always possesses little girls. Mm-hmm. We've got Raphael, who for most of his run on the show is a black woman. Yeah. Raphael only possesses black people, but for most of his run on the show, he's a black woman. And then Sam and Dean kill her, and he comes back as a black man. Okay. And then Eve, the mother of monsters, is back to, like, a pasty, snow-white-looking woman in a white dress. And Meg is two women, one of whom is Jared Padalecki's real-life wife. And then, oh, God, what's her name? Uh, Crowley's mom. Right, um, Rowena, Morwenna, whatever. But between her appearance, there's an, there's like the Knight of Hell, a Maimon, Asmodeus, whatever her name is. We didn't do any of the research for this. We do no research. Watch the show. This it's... is our our pre digested uh, hot take. Uh, we we have watched these episodes, but like... But there's an entire arc <laughs> of the show where we're introduced to a higher demon villainess who is one of the soldiers of hell so that she can be pitted against Crowley, we mentioned earlier, whose primary tactic is outwitting everyone. So it's interesting that uh, in kind of an unusual take, like... The lady demon is the scary kill you warrior type, where the dude demon is kind of the fruity. Uh, At what out, point aren't we you. introduced to a scene with Crowley by listening to classic seventies funk hit "Everybody Plays the Fool"? I think so. Everybody plays the fool. I believe that is the season Sometimes. where Crowley and Dean go off on their honeymoon when Dean becomes a demon. Spoilers. Yo. You want to see a gay-ass show, watch Supernatural. That's sort of our thrust here, is watch Supernatural. Not necessarily for these reasons, but, I mean... It's gay. Any reason. It's real gay. gay. It's gay. It's well-researched, question mark? Uh, yeah, I would say the first couple seasons are well-researched. It's cohesive. You always feel like you're in the same universe, which is something that a lot of high-concept fantasy shows can't say. True. You all, you're always aware of the rules. They make you aware of the rules really quickly. And, like, one of... All of these horrible supernatural monsters that any normal person couldn't face has, like, a straightforward... And comprehensive weakness. So you, while you feel like there is a bigger conflict and our heroes are constantly in jeopardy, 
you also know that like with enough horse sense and prior knowledge they can get themselves out of things also both of them are built like brick ice houses if you ever just look up jensen ackles on google he got that booty he got very pretty eyes too he's beautiful he's He's a really attractive man. And Jared Padalecki is fine, too. But, like, <laughs> I, I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to lie. I Like, Jensen Eccles is... And, like, I did. I watched Gilmore Girls. So, for a while, Jared Padalecki was my boo. But I haven't like, seen Gilmore Girls. Oh, my God. You, need to, you would love Gilmore Girls. It's sarcastic. They talk fast. It's everything you are. All right. I'll watch that for an episode here. Yeah. Yeah. Put but, that on my reading list. Yeah. Gilmore Girls it was how I got through middle slash high school. It was good shit. But, so, babe, rolling back to Supernatural. Like, so, add this to our bullet list. Things Hillary likes about Supernatural. Jensen Ackles. Slash his butt. <laughs> also, Misha Collins, fantastic person. Can we just talk? He just seems really nice. He seems like a really good person. Follow him on Twitter. He's very politically active, but he also just seems like really funny and... There's a funny episode after the show Jumped the Shark, which we can debate next episode. Oh my god, when did that happen? (laughs) Uh, There's a really amazing episode where I believe it's Raphael the Archangel casts a spell... That sends Sam and Dean, the characters, into our world, <gasps> where I, they're filming an the episode of Supernatural. The French something, right? I don't remember. Yeah, I think it's like is. the French question or something. Or we're the like, French mistake. Or the something. French mistake. Right, because that's, that's a Blazing Saddles reference. Yes. But, uh, which is another movie we should watch. I've never here. seen Blazing Saddles. God. I, there's like a whole world of Mel Brooks I need to introduce you to. But. I've seen Spaceballs. You realize, like, how how much of an act everyone is putting on, especially oh, Misha yeah. Collins, because his character as Castiel, the archangel, the, not an archangel, he's an angel, um, is super monotone, very literal-minded. All angels seem allergic to sarcasm. They don't quite get how humans work. And then we see what Misha Collins is like in real life. He tweets constantly. It's some of the finest acting I've seen in a while. Misha Collins. I mean, and granted, it was Misha Collins playing Misha Collins in the world of Supernatural, sort of. Right. But uh, he's he just seems like a really good person. Like I would I would have a beer with Misha Collins. And it's one of those shows where like because it has been running so long, you do feel like everyone who's playing family members is actually part of a family. So there is some really good acting, I hesitate to say in the later seasons, but on that subject, there's some really good acting as far as you feel like Sam and Dean are truly brothers, speaking. The Winchesters, (laughs) I feel, are some of the most compelling relationships in this show just because they feel... The most genuine out of all of the relationships. Like, everybody else just kind of feels like they were, you know, given a script. Which, I mean, they were. Right, But, like, they haven't had the amount of time. And, like, what I especially like about at least the first 
five or six seasons of the show is the relationship between the boys and their father. It's super fraught. And it's, it's complicated. But you <clears throat> get the sense that they're family, like... Right. Well, and even when we meet their mother who dies in the first episode, because, oh, you know, yes, you gotta have a dead mom. You can only have one parent if you're a fantasy hero. Because, like, even though Supernatural is not a Disney product, they have to go by Disney rules. Right. But Dead when we meet her, her. We, like, everyone remembers her so fondly. Everyone talks about her like she her shit didn't stink. Uh, but when we meet Mary. her, she's not perfect either. No. She's kind of a mess. She a, comes from a family of hunters. And her dad is a huge douchebag. Big old D-bag. Big old stanky Mild D-bag. spoilers. Stanky D-bag. And we find out that, like, the legacy of the Winchesters is not so much that they are hunters. There is, like, an extremely rude police officer going by. I live down the street from a hospital, so I apologize in advance for any sirens you hear. The legacy of the Winchesters is not that they are saving the world from darkness and things that go bump in the night. It's that they will forever be dragging people into their world. And being forced to protect them and falling short of what other people need. Like, their mother was a huntress who dragged their father into this world, and then at a critical moment, through no fault of her own, died in a horrible and visually stunning way. She died on the ceiling! On fire! On fire! From having a baby. Let that be a lesson. Never there was have a babies. Came to curse Sam. Oh yeah, remember when like the biggest problem was that there was a demon with psychic powers that was raising like a bunch of the shining children. The yellow-eyed demon. <laughs> and he came to visit Sam in his nursery, and Mama Winchester walked in on it, and the demon like stuck her to the ceiling and lit her on fire and tried to steal. Sam, right? Am yeah. I misremembering? And then uh, Papa Winchester walked in on it and was like, no! And the demon dropped Sam? Or the demon something? left. Okay, left. so like, the first season, we haven't been introduced to like the grand cosmic conflict between heaven and hell yet. But we're aware that there is a demon that is stalking Sam. Because Sam is part of this group of children that have been fed demon blood by this demon, and they are now developing psychic powers. And Sam seems to have, like, telekinetic insta-kill powers, where other people have, like... Can we talk about how every time Sam bones a lady, she dies? Yes, well, it's like Bonanza, <laughs> he's where... Got, he's got a killer dick. This is kind of a deep cut. It's like Bonanza, where every member of the Cartwright clan kills every woman that they fall in love with. I've never watched Bonanza. I understand the reference, but I've never watched Okay, it. so like for drama, every woman that the members of the Cartwright family dated would die. And it's not unlike that here. Every person that the Winchesters date dies, because for some reason, like, women around them in their peripheral vision have a bullet uh, crosshairs on their back but sam for like the first couple seasons has psychic powers that are amplified by drinking demon blood and then after season five when they come back and this power would be super useful uh he just never uses it again he's done with that phase of his life 
Oh my god, you're right, he never does that again. Yeah, and we're reminded multiple times that he still has this power, but, you know, he can't use it without turning evil, so none of that, no matter how useful that would be. Even when he comes back from hell, right, he just kind of... Right, okay, so there's a whole season where Sam comes back from hell, because the two of them are just, like, they have a revolving door with the great beyond. He comes back from hell, Saul's soul, and being soulless in the supernatural universe just kind of turns you into a robot like you are you exist to serve your own self-interest and have no consideration or empathy for other people got no feelings so sam like repeatedly ignores the fact that dean is in mortal peril Mm -hmm. when it's inconvenient for him Mm -hmm. or he'll tell lies that's like kind of ruin everyone else's day just because it's funny to him but at no point does he feel like his lowered inhibitions should let him drink demon blood and use his crazy psychic powers because that would solve too many conflicts on the show and the episodes have to stretch out to 30 minutes plus ads yeah yeah plus ads but We will will come come back back for our thrilling conclusion in a second, but I have to take a quick break. We're going to cut to commercial, as if we have any of those. Catch you back. Bye. And we're back. And we're back. I take a cheese break. Okay, so things we liked about Supernatural. I like how gay it is. How gay it is. The backstory, the universe building, the relationship between the brothers, the relationship between the brothers and their father, the relationship between the brothers and their various insert father figures. Because that's the other thing about the show, is that there's this recurring element of a family in search of family members. Bobby! Let me talk about Bobby. The brothers have this, like, backcountry Dumbledore figure that takes care of them. His name is Bobby. His name is Bobby Singer, who is also an executive producer of the show, which is remarked upon in the French mistake when they're taking the piss out of the entire show. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, which a show like this needs to do. Right. I'm going to bring Bobby back up to, in the next episode because... He is somewhat problematic since they also had a surrogate mother figure for a hot second. Wait, the sheriff? No. Who? Ellen. Ellen! Who the show killed. They killed her in the apocalypse. Ah, because she was a woman who happened to stand in the Winchester's peripheral vision. But they also have like a surrogate sister, Joanne. Yeah, also dead. Yeah. And their grandfather, dead. Bobby Joe. Singer died a couple times. Is it Joanne? Joey? It's Joe something. Joe something. Ellen and Joe. But Bobby Singer is interesting in that unlike this grand tradition of orphan meets surrogate father figure, father figure takes them under their wing and teaches them everything they know, you get the impression that like Bobby is on his last nerve with these kids the entire relationship. He genuinely cares about them, and he's concerned for their well-being, but he is also exasperated by them to all hell. These boys are alcoholic con artists, and... And He's not much better, but he's also, like, 50 years older than them and has earned the right. Right. 
And I think that's a strength of the show in that that seems like a much more real human relationship. It's problematic. It's often angry. You get points where uh, the Winchesters and Bobby don't speak for weeks on end because they've offended each other. They both feel like, both groups, all three of the people involved in the relationship feel like they're individually safeguarding the memory of their father, John Winchester, I think is his name. John, I don't remember. It's I don't John. care for him much. Um, but each yeah, of them but... has like a piece of John Winchester that they're carrying forward, and each of them are convinced that that's like the whole guy. Did Aaron fall? Aaron fell there? She did. We're looking I... at Hillary's vinyl pop collection. I have the. I have all four. Ghostbusters from the 2016 Ghostbusters movie and Aaron Gilbert. Fell, Aaron Gilbert fell over. It's an omen. Oh. We have been forsaken by the world's tiniest bow tie. My bisexual princess. I love her. She heard us talking about queer themes in Supernatural and she had an opinion to give, but. She just got exasperated. Bless her. I do too, all the time, but. But I mean, for all of the the arguments you could make that having a show exclusively based around male relationships with other males is problematic, and it kind of is. It's men with emotions. The relationship that they have with Bobby, I think, is very constructive. <laughs> Because it's not that they're having children's relationship with an, uh, a father. They are three adults that are committing to an adult relationship. They are. Meet, trying to meet each other as grown-ups and realizing how difficult that is. Which I think is, is something that you don't necessarily see a whole lot of in shows like this. You usually get very locked in family dynamics very early. Yeah. And you don't usually get the nitty-gritty. Right. And I don't think, having seen the show all the way through to the end, I don't think at any point their relationship settles. They're always trying to figure out where the lines are with each other. Right, exactly. And then Bobby keeps dying, and then undying, and then re-dying. Well, they all keep dying. And then double undying, and then triple backflip re-dying. That's one... Okay, yeah, we can save this for the next episode about the fact that people keep dying and don't stay dead. That'll be our first point next time. (laughs) Hold us to that, listeners. (laughs) Like... There's going to be a bunch of stuff next time, but that's going to be our first point. Also, Super Hulak people, please don't send us hate mail. Or do... I mean, that would mean that people are listening. (laughs) So, for this episode alone, we will be accepting hate mail. Do we have an email address? We're going to register a Gmail, uh, wineandshoses at gmail.com. Okay. And you can just send all of your vitriol there. We're not going to give you our street addresses yet. God, no. But at some point when we tire of we'll this you. tedious existence, we'll vet you we will and then give us publicly give you, out our yeah yeah our contact information. But yeah, you won't find us. We are constantly on the move. We have a dangerous set of skills that makes us a nightmare to people like you. We're still drinking rosé, by the way. Haven't we killed it? We've killed it we, now. The episode has to end. I've killed the rosé. Yeah, it's really good. 
I can't feel my lips. So join us next time where we will recap everything we did this episode <laughs> after we've listened to it again and talk about all of the things that we didn't care for about Supernatural. But I think the takeaway here is that Supernatural is a, it's, it's a piece of art from our time. It changed over time. It evolved over time. It, it tackled a, the themes that it set out to. It is a uniquely millennial show. I don't think this show could have been made any earlier. And I don't think it's the sort of show that we could make now. Because a lot of shows that are out now, like Once Upon a Time or Grimm or... I'm sorry. Shows like an urban fantasy show, a flannel and chiaroscuro urban fantasy show could not exist in a world where Supernatural was not successful. Yeah. No, I agree. Like, Supernatural definitely paved the way for a lot of what is on TV right now in the same vein, which I, and I will include, um, Oh god, what's what's that show you watch? It's absolutely awful. You're gonna have to be more specific. Um, the one with Mike Chang is Oh, Shadow Hunters. Shadow Hunters. That's gonna be another episode, even if I have to do it all by myself, because God help me, that show is god, amazing. I will not watch Shadow okay, Hunters. Okay, That's gonna be a solo episode. <laughs> but yeah, like shows of that vein could not exist. And I think the other like supernatural got much more of a budget as the show went on and smoothed out a lot of what it was going for. But it managed to hit a really good aesthetic with, like, a shoestring budget and a green screen. I really admire what Eric Kripke was able to do with that show in the first five seasons. Because you're right, like, it was still establishing itself at that point. It was still reliant largely upon American folklore. It still had growth potential is what I'll call it. It still had <laughs> it still had room to figure out what it was. Yeah. It was and it was fun. Like even though you're dealing with a lot of dark things like vampires and and um Wendigos and shit like it was still funny you had moments of levity and joy and I my sense uh after certainly after season four and definitely beyond that there just doesn't seem to be much genuine joy in that the characters themselves experience. It just seems like very dark and everything is intense and nobody. (sighs) It just got wretched. And which isn't to say that, I mean, these two characters do lead really heavy lives. Like they have a job to do that is all, it's not, it is not bestowed upon them by God, but they treat it as such. They don't want the job that has been bestowed upon them by God. Right. They they take this as a sort of um, burden, like like a like a cosmically bestowed burden. And one of the things that they do in the early seasons is these two characters are under FBI investigation for murder. 
because all of these monsters that they're hunting look like people 90% of the time. Mm -hmm. So the police and the FBI have found their victims and they have assumed that these two people are waging a cross-country serial killing spree. Also fraud. Right. Also credit card fraud and they're passing themselves off as federal agents in order to conduct these investigations, which are lesser charges. But A lot of fraud, but mostly um, murder. But, like, most of these... Shows these days, Shadowhunters comes to mind since you brought it up. They come up with some other way to hand wave why um, their real world except where noted setting can work is because like most of the muggles or the mundanes or the normies or whatever you want to call them, like are prevented from knowing what's going on. Whereas in Supernatural, like there are three groups of people. There are the people who have been attacked by these monsters and are dead. There are the people who have been attacked by these monsters and are now fighting them. Or there are the people who don't know that these monsters are out there and are finding all of these ostensibly human bodies and assuming that there are like a bunch of crazy people running around killing people. Mm-hmm. Which is, it adds to the stakes. That mm-hmm. kind of goes away as the show goes on. Right. As part of a general lessening of the stakes over time. But... I mean, that was something I really liked about... You felt like... Unlike something like your Harry Potter or your uh, The Hunger Games, there wasn't quite the level of polish on everything. It's um, definitely rough. Yeah, you felt like you were flying along beside yeah. them on the seat of their pants. And there's like a general smell of denim and sweat But not literally flying, because Dean won't fly. <laughs> <laughs> That was an episode That's... that I, I legitimately loved. Mm, I know. I know. Concerns, but we'll come to that. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, that's, so basically. So please do watch the show. Yeah. Like, we don't want you to get the impression that you shouldn't watch anything that we talk about. We wouldn't talk about it if we didn't care. Right. And if you have a show that you think we should discuss, because again, we're going to break it down into things we like. Things we don't like and things we change about it. Maybe uh, we should have maybe we should have supplementary episodes in between our planned ones where we take a look at some of the more salient points people make about our ooh, analysis. So, I like that. Like if you have a burning opinion about something we've said or if you think we're totally off base, let us know. Wine and choses at, at gmail.com. <laughs> that. Please do participate in this. This is not just for our benefit. We do want to know what other people think because, I mean... Lord knows we've talked ourselves to death about right. these topics. And it would be nice to have some have a fresh take. We want to make more friends. We, we're so lonely. <laughs> and we're all out of wine. Send us wine. Send us points. <laughs> And with that, I am Hillary. I'm Griffin. And this has been Days of Wine and Shoses.